This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of your Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sports Pacer. I'm Sam Carroll and today I'm joined by Chris Beasley. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon, as almost good evening, Sam. Well, it's dark. Feel, it is dark, but you are, Chris has brightened up the room today with his nice... Uh, Everton striped blue shirt and yellow tie. So. I, quite, I quite like the difference. Like there's that there's diagonal stripes going on on the tie, but yeah. there's vertical stripes going on on the shirt, and it's a nice, uh, yeah. nice little combo. And dressed, dressed, dressed down day for Adam Jones, obviously. Dressed <laughs> down day in a shirt and jumper. Not, not compared to B. You're, you're in a polo shirt. This is this is my this is brand Carol. Look, you can brand Carol. You can say all this because people can't see it because it's a podcast. But like, don't look, don't come at the king. Just in case people if you are come at the king, this, you is, best not this miss. is this is Fred Perry. This is you know, I'm sponsored by Fred Perry. If people are interested, <laughs> Adam Jones, fresh from uh, Marco Silva's press conference, and Gav Buckland making his. Uh, you, you went missing on the podcast for a little bit, Gav, but you've you've came back strong in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I was dropped. I was dropped. <laughs> I was, you, you uh, dropped. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I, I was dropped. I wasn't that was injured. that was, it was that, a squad rotation. You know, yeah. he was just it getting was, a bit too comfortable in his yeah. role, and this, we just have to give him that uh, a kick up the arse. I, I got told it was a disciplinary after he said he wanted the new stadium to be one thousand seater. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a gift that keeps on giving. This. And I just say that one thousand is far too big. Gav Buckland, sure to uh, sure to feature on the next series of the Everton Twitter Crank World Cup, hopefully, maybe. Oh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into it, Adam. You uh, was at Mark. You were with Marco Silva today at mm-hmm. his press conference, uh, and we, we were just speaking a little bit there for the first time. And I think his whole Everton reign, he's got every player available to him. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, obviously, there were a few doubts about uh, the likes of Sigurdsson, Gomez, and Luchman going into the international break. Obviously, like the former two didn't even travel with their respective countries, and Luchman came back a little bit early. But Silva's revealed today that all three are fit and ready to uh, to start against Cardiff, which, which is going to be a massive bonus for the side. Obviously, like, I think all all of them can be proved to be crucial members of the squad. And it was as we were saying just before the podcast. I think you know I think there's 27 available players now to Marco Silva if you include all three goalkeepers in that with uh, Joao Virginia as well. So you know it's, it's such a massive squad depth and going into a uh, going into what's going to be a really busy festive period. He's going to try and. He's going to need to try and tap into that squad depth as much as possible, really, because you can't like with the Premier League the way it is. You just can't be playing like when when it, well when it gets to Christmas week, you're playing almost like four games inside ten days or something like that. Like no no player can really be expected to play the full ninety minutes in all in all those matches. So it's really good to have good strength in depth for once, and I'm actually looking forward to the festive period coming up. And one one man again we mentioned before we started recording because you you know. Such a terrible injury, but you know you do even forget he's sometimes he's still having James McCarthy still yeah. available and now just needs match fitness. Do, do you think there'll be a, a point over Christmas where James will be called upon, or will will Marco be looking to play his full strength team each game? It could well be. Um, like we said, um, I think he, he's only featured in uh, the under twenty threes match against Manchester City a few weeks back. Gorma Higher came. Yeah, off the bench. sorry, came on obviously um, against. Uh, the Kenyan champions in that game at Goodison. So um, it's just look, lacking that match sharpness, like we were saying. Um, he's certainly one of those almost like, I mean, it's, it's uh, overused and often a cliche and said like a new signing, but he's had such awful um, injury um, problems in, in recent seasons. Um, 
it would be like that because, um, like we said, so many games over the festive period, and I'm, I'm sure he could get some some welcome minutes somewhere. Just just hope he doesn't break down again, and if he does come back, can get a bit of a, a prolonged run, certainly fitness wise. Do, do you think there's a future for James McCarthy at Everton, Gov? Give me the hardest question there, isn't it? The fact that I'm not answering you straight away means that I, I, you don't know. You don't know how players react to you to this type of injury, especially James, what, 28, is he, something like that? 28, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and the position he plays, midfield, it, it's, a, it's a big ask. It's a big ask for him to come back. Um, whether even if 100% fit before he got injured, he, he would be good enough to play in a Marco Silverstoke brand's team is, is also to be taken into account. Uh, I will be, I will be surprised if he becomes a first team regular. That's interesting. Um, I think I think I disagree personally. Okay. I like I just think, I think just before he got injured against West Brom, he seemed to be in a quite a decent run of form. Like yep. he had he's had a bit of another bit of a spell on the sidelines, hadn't he? And he looked like he was just getting into his stride a little bit before, obviously, like such a really bad injury. I just I just think if he can recover from this injury, as we all hope he does, and get back to the player that he was. I think that kind of player is someone who fits almost perfectly into a Marco Silva sort of midfield. I think he's he's full of energy. He's quick. Yeah. He's quite decent at bringing the ball forward. You know, he's as disruptive as Gay is to, to the opposition. You know, I, I think Silva could really find a place for him. Like, it, I think he could be the perfect... You know, foil for like you know if Gay's injured or suspended or maybe we need he needs a rest. I think McCarthy's the perfect player for the squad. For yeah, him. I'm not saying I'm not saying that he wouldn't get in the squad. I'm saying he wouldn't be in the first team. Oh uh, well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I okay. don't think he's even if fully fit, he's any better than what we've got at the moment. Mm. Uh, I agree and then the, you know, you just don't come back straight away, do you? So with Seamus, type of horrendous injury, you know. I think if anything, James might have been a little bit more complicated. Uh, if, if, if you know that, that that you know that that sounds bad, I know, but uh, and I, I just don't know. I think we have a, we have a duty as a club to get him back, mm. fire on all cylinders, don't we? Uh, whether he's good enough to to stay the long long term, and and that, I'm not sure. So, and that's testimony to the, some of the quality that we've got in the middle of the park at the moment. Well, I think that like that quality means that we've got the luxury of being able to bring him back as we need to bring him back, like. As you mentioned with Coleman there last season, there was there was almost a bit of a necessity to be able to have to bring him back and play him instantly. Like as much as yeah. as well as John Joe Kenny was playing last season, and don't get me wrong, I think he was playing really some really good football. Like it was obvious that he was a youngster he was yeah. trying to be relied upon in a in a Premier League side. And obviously with, with us struggling as much as we were, we just needed Coleman back in sooner sooner than he, he could really do yeah. it. And I think we've been seeing the the pr- prolonged after effects of that really this season yeah they? I mean I'm, I'm not arguing against yourself here because we've said all season I think we're one short mm. in that area but whether it's one actually you're getting in the team all the time short is a, a different kettle of fish mm. and something we've been speaking about hypothetically the last few weeks was obviously you know who will who would start at centre half uh, when all three well it's five centre backs at the club at the moment but you know when you've got Mina Zuma and uh, Michael Keane, all fit, who starts 2pm tomorrow. Team news is, is going to come out and Marco Silva will have finally had to make that decision unless he goes for a, a newfangled 3-5-2-B. So, yeah. time to put our own necks on the line. Who, yeah. who makes the cut for you tomorrow? Um, I'll go with the incumbent pair. I would imagine that would be the decision. But 
you don't know what Marco Silva will have seen all the the, the three main contenders, let's call them, um, in, in training this week. And he, he'll make that decision. I think whatever decision he does go with, I don't think there can be too many complaints because uh, there's, there's not much um, in it. Zuma's done nothing wrong at all. It's been absolutely great alongside Michael Keane, a really promising partnership. And then obviously through no fault of his own, couldn't play at Chelsea, as we all know, because of um, them being his parent club. But... Um, you mean having having to wait that long time? Um, impressive debut against one of the most potent attacks in in the Premier League. So, I would imagine he would go with the the pair who started at the last game. But if if he doesn't, and it's it's no complaints really. So no changes for Bees, Adam. Is that is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, definitely. I think considering the Chelsea have been so strong at home this season, and we were the first team to go there and keep a clean sheet. I think that's that's surely got to play in the manager's mind and. No, if he was forced into a change in going into that Chelsea game, I don't think he he would have made that change if he didn't have to. I think he probably would have stuck with a Keane and Zuma. And I'm not saying Zuma hasn't played really well, but I think it's just the cutthroat nature of the Premier League, and it's probably the bad side of the good, of the strong squad that we've got now that we have got. I think. I've said on the pod before, I think we've got 14 or 15 really informed players now and we've only got 11 spaces on the pitch to try and fit them all in. Unfortunately, so, some people are going to be disappointed. You know, you, you've got the likes of Calvert-Lewin, Tosin and Luchman all sat on the bench. Uh, Luchman in particular is in very good form and he still can't get into the team. So, yeah, I think, I think it, in this situation, I think Zuma's going to be going to be the unlucky one. But as he's shown already this season, like he's... Well, well capable of stepping back into the team if either Mina or Keane uh, stum- stumble a little bit. You're going to make it a Yahtzee for the uh, for the incumbent pair, then, Gov? I don't know what a Yahtzee is, to be honest a with full, you. So a full house. Oh, is it? Ne- yeah. Never, yeah. Have you never, never played Yahtzee? No. What? Bees, you've, you've got to have played Wait, what? I thought Yatti was quite an old Yachty game. Yatti is, is from the 1700s. Well, <laughs> I might even predate that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making it a full house, yes. <laughs> he, he strikes me a manager that, um, you know, a bit like when Jack Elka went out after Wolves, he never changed it back, did he, to yeah. what his original you know, start and selection was against Wolves. He kept uh, zooming in and, and Keane, as you say, up until the Chelsea game. He strikes me that um, he may be that, that type of manager with the sense of defence and I fully expect both to regain their places. Uh, but I agree that, you know, Zuma... You know, I won't be complaining if Zuma comes in and said mm. that's going to weaken us, weaken us. But I think it's because me, me, you paid what twenty eight million, whatever it is for Mina, big fee. Did well at Chelsea. You're not going to drop him, are you? If you think about it logically, you're just not. Um, I wouldn't like to tell I, you any Mina who's dropped. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and I think Keane's done enough. As he's being talked up, it, going back on that point, he, I think he spoke at the press conference said he's got five to choose from. Did he say yeah, yeah, yeah. half? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well. he's obviously not. I mean, I know that might just be to sort of placate Holgate and Zagielka as a sound bite, but he's he's obviously got all five in his thoughts. He's not just like thinking three. I mean, and as you say, I don't know how people train do you on the week and stuff. And as you said regarding McCarthy, is that. Uh, the likelihood is I would expect over like sort of December and January probably for, for all five to appear at some point. Mm. I think the centre-back issue for me is it, it it harks back to last season. I think one of the main issues that we had last season and I think something that in particular Michael Keane really struggled from is that he just didn't have 
and as partner next to him. Like it was it was chop and change at the back constantly, wasn't it? It was Williams, Holgate, Jackie Elka, Keane, three of them sometimes, you know, like we we just need that bit of consistency at the minute. And I just think Keane and Mina obviously struck up a really good relationship very quickly against Chelsea and I I'd be minded to try and to not break that up as much as possible because at the end of the day those two are our permanent players. Like Zuma could potentially move back to Chelsea at the end of the season. So mm. if we build up this partnership between Keane and Mina now, lessens our need really for a centre back in the summer. Although that could depend on Jagielka's future, obviously. It is quite strange, really, isn't it? Because you know when you think back to the to the David Moyes era, you know it was pretty much Distan uh, Jagielka every week. Uh, you know John Heitinger had a, a, a little spell in the team, but but when you think bees of all the centre halves. That I've played. If you look back since the start of the Cumin era, there must mm. be possibly getting close to double figures in terms of people who've played at centre half for Everton. Do you think it is important, like Adam's saying, to kind of build this sense of a partnership? You know, Zuma again on loan from Chelsea and, and his long term future is yeah. unclear. So, w- would that incline you to say Keane and Mina have got to be, until form implies otherwise, have got to be treated as the first choice partnership? I don't know if they'd be the. The first choice partnership, just especially this time of year with so many different um, matches coming in a short space of time. But yeah, it is um, important to have that understanding. I'm sure, you know, with the, the guy who's next to you, so you don't want too much chopping and changing. But I'm sure, I'm sure the manager will rotate. But um, yeah, like you say, there's been a problem because with so many managers coming in over such a short space of time, and they've all got their own ideas and their own different philosophies of a. a how to play the game. Obviously, um, Alcaraz was a big favourite of uh, Martinez. So, uh, just since Moyes went, there's been a huge turnover of players. You've almost had like three different managers with three different ideas and sets, um, the players to, to go with that. So, yeah, it's important to have that consistency and you try and build build up a, a partnership, a, a settled side. But um, I, I don't think at any point you'll say, this is my first choice because, I mean, they've got three very good players going for the, t- the two spots. Just what I wouldn't want to say is... Um, Trying to sort of crowbar all three in at once, just um, just to try and get them all all on the team at one time. Um, that's probably because I don't particularly like the three centre backs anyway. They, Marco might think there's ch- um, opportunities to do that at certain points, but I wouldn't just try and play all three of them just for the sake of it. What about then uh, in January, the transfer window approaching? Gav, would would a loan move for Mason Holgate be something you consider? No, no. And not if we bring in another not if we bring another defender in because I think Jags Jags' days certainly appear to be waning, maybe numbered. It's not gonna be a long term uh, option. If you discount Jags that would leave us with four centre halves for two places, which seems about right. I mean that's what that was my you know, on the pod two or three years ago that that was my biggest moan about Martinez is that he played Played this last season with three centre three centre halves. He let Alcaraz go. I think he let this stand go in fifteen or whatever. Terrible, terrible. I cried for that. I, 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 I literally just cringed at the, <laughs> the word Alcaraz. And left us with three centre halves, and that's where we ended up having, having to play was at McCarthy and Tingy and Bessic at centre half in the Bessage derby. Play there at one point. You know, so you've got to have four centre halves, and if Jags is probably on the way out, you've got to keep you've got to keep the, the remaining four. Unless there is a, unless Mason is making it clear he wants to go and they want to go and prepare to keep Jags as the fourth one, 
it, it, it's a tough situation that Holgate finds himself really in, isn't it? Because through no fault of his own, really played pretty well when he was thrown into the thick of the action against Wolves mm. on the opening day, but probably finds himself further away from Everton's first team now than he has done in his entire time. Yeah, he had that quite good spell last uh, last season around the sort of festive Alongside period. Ashley, brought, yeah. brought the best out of Ashley Williams. Didn't yeah, he? that back. Do you remember that back four of Kenny? Holgate, Williams and Martina. <laughs> God. Weren't they, weren't they, they the days, eh? <laughs> It's absolutely unbelievable to remember that Ronald Koeman was the Everton manager last, last season. That just seems yeah. like absolutely yeah. years ago, doesn't it? But, but yeah, like it, it, it is a bit of a shame for Mason Holgate, I think. Maybe he did, like, I think this season, the West Ham game was a bit of a, a shaky one for him, I seem, I seem to remember. So, you know, he's, he, he's still got a lot to learn, but he's still so young, I, I think. I, I think keep him. I, I, I wouldn't want to see him loaned out. I, I think keeping him is the best for his development. And as I said before, like unfortunately in a squad with this much depth, you're going to be you're going to be disappointing a lot of a lot of good players. And Mason Holgate's a really good player, but he's so versatile as well. He can cover so many positions in that back four. That he's just such an asset for us. I, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to see him leave too easily. Like Adam says, I mean, you can get him schooled in the Marco Silva way because you've got the potential there for next season. Like I said, if, if Phil Jagielka moves on and then if Zuma doesn't sign, well, all of a sudden, Holgate's mm-hmm. got a chance to be third-choice centre-back there mm-hmm. and he's, he's knocking on the door again. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be inclined to, to keep him around. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you listen to... If all transfer rumours came through, Malcolm would be playing on the wing for Everton and Juan Roman Raquelme would have played a 10-year career at Everton, so, you know, we take them with a pinch of salt sometimes. But today, Adam, uh, a few German sides and even Arsenal were linked with a move for uh, Anthony Gordon. Mm. You, you, you watch a lot of the Bundesliga yourself. It, what is it about kind of this new this new thing coming out where German clubs are trying to attract young English talent? It's, it's kind of changed from the other way around, hasn't it? When we were growing up, kind of, mm. Arsenal signed the likes of Fabregas and stuff from Barcelona. Do you think it is, you know... As we're talking about here, Everton have got so much strength and depth at the moment. Could it be an option that some academy youngsters across the country are kind of looking and saying, well, hang on, looking at Sancho, looking at Nelson, I'll get an opportunity elsewhere? Even Luckman last season, like when he went out on loan. I think, yeah. to be fair, if I was an academy youngster, at, like one of the one of the big clubs in the Premier League at the minute, I'd be, I'd be having a good look at the Bundesliga because you're just seeing so much success out of it and they've, they've exploited that market so well because... The likes, the, you know, the likes of Man City and Chelsea and Arsenal, they just hoard these kind of young, talented English players who've got a lot of ability and a lot of excitement, like a lot of exciting touches and flair, but like they're just not given the right platform to show it. I'm not sure the under-23 system in, in England is particularly right for them to be able to fully express themselves because I just think the, the bridge then to the Premier League is just massive. Like, it, it's so hard for some of those players to try and bridge that gap so you're seeing them go over to the Bundesliga which is I think is just just as a competitive league as the Premier League you know it's maybe that tiny bit less physical but not not massively you know you've got some massive clubs over there and you've got Borussia Dortmund now lining up with Jadon Sancho on the wing like every week and you know I think I think it's just really important for Everton to try and keep hold of these young players like if I'm if I'm looking at it from like the perspective of Silver and brands, you want you, like you want to be treating it as an Adam Ola-Luchman situation, like they did in the summer. They was very, very clearly saying to him, "Look, you've you're in our Luchman. plans, Luckman, Luckman." <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Why did I laugh at that? That was the worst. Yes. That was literally the worst joke didn't, that's didn't ever get, been said. Didn't get a before. stronger reaction from Bees and uh, Gavers as I like that one. I thought that was thought that was pretty special myself. I think they gave the right reaction. To be fair, <laughs> stone dead silence. Sorry, I, I think I, I think I did interrupt your mid flow there as well. Some, to... some tumbleweed going across <laughs> the desk as, as we speak. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think it's just. I think for Everton, it's just crucial to try and keep keep hold of these players because you know Everton have got a massive history of bringing so many exciting young players through the academy system, and nobody wants to see that change anytime soon. And you know, if Anthony Gordon's the next one who's going to break into the Premier League, then by all means, I'd I'd love to see that happen. And Silver and Brands have already said that they'd love to see that happen. You know, we are back to their first press conference, and they're saying, "Look, we've got so many young players in this squad. We want to try and." bring them through like I'd, I'd love to see that happen over the next couple of years yeah I think that is different at Everton uh, if he, you know, like Adam said if you'd been at Chelsea or something they've got all these hu- huge number of young players you'd never get a look in but Everton have got a, a real good track record of bringing the player through so if I was one of the, the top brass at the club I'd be making that clear to him that you know you've got you've got a good chance of coming through and maybe you wouldn't have got some other Premier League sides and it, it you know again only a rumour but it's kind of a testament to the work that goes in at the academy, isn't it, Gavin? You know, Everton are still working hard to bring these young lads through. Yeah, yeah. I'm slightly worried about other clubs looking at academy players. I don't know why. I mean, it, it, it indicates to me that maybe their options are limited. At Everton, I mean, we talk, I said this about a couple of months ago, we talk about bringing young players through. We do to a certain degree that they might get the odd couple of first-team games, but in terms of generating a permanent presence in the team there's very few isn't there certainly over the last 10 years Ross would be one um, can't think of too many maybe Jack Rodwell to a point but there's not, not really anybody else so we, we've got we've, don't get me wrong we've got we've got a a history of, of generating players who can play league football at a certain level but we haven't got a, a great history in the last 10 years of bringing players to the youth academy to play permanently for Everton Mm. Which is a different thing, um, and on that basis, I said this. Not many people <laughs> agreed. I, 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 I view it. If you're, if you're at any Premier League club, there might be an exception. If you're not good enough to get in the team at eighteen, then you're not going to get in the team full stop. That I think, um, you know, and locally round here, we can think of the players who, who permanent players who play for Everton, Liverpool. We've got on the team. You tend to get in the team at eighteen, and that's it. You know. Um, what about you, you, what about the likes of Harry Kane, and then you know? I said that there's ex- there is exceptions. I mean, Harry. I mean, Harry went on loans, didn't he? As well, there are there are exceptions, but I think I think now is it, it's very difficult for you to to to. Adam spoke before about the under twenty three football, didn't you? Mm. Is to me, I'm not sure under twenty three football generally. I'm not talking about Everton here. There's enough there to, to get a player who's 18, who's, who's okay or you know is, is promising and turn them into a Premier League standard footballer who can play every game at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he can do that. So therefore, you've got to be good enough at 18. And um, Anthony Gordon may may fall into fall in, unfortunately fall into that category. You know, and, uh, ruthless, and ruthless from Gav Buckland. I wouldn't well, like, no, to, I wouldn't like to be in the Gav Buckland Academy. 
Well, sorry, son. I'm good enough for that. I mean, that's, that's, you got kicked out of the Everton Academy just in general. So, like, you, do, you got kicked out by Gav. I didn't even make it to the to the Gav Buckland 18 threshold. Sixteen, they sacked me off. Such a great attrition rate at that age. There is, there is, there is. You know, let's academies are ruthless. You know, there's a lot of people going to academies come out pretty soon because they're not good enough. So, you know, it's not all. You know, it's, it's not it's not all you know nice and soft and you know and all that type of stuff, and and I think that that's the reality to me that if you're not if you're not good enough for eighteen to get in the Premier League, then it's going to be very very difficult for you to get 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 in get in the twenty you know eighteen nineteen twenty one, yeah. and that and that's something like the likes of some of these German clubs have realised. So it would be one to keep an eye on, but I don't fundamentally I don't like it yeah. some of the eighteen or our academies being looked at by other clubs. It is a, a good point that Gav makes, isn't it, Because uh, mm. That now, you know, Everton do have lads like Tyus Brown and Brendan Galloway, Harry Charsley, lads playing week in, week out in the Premier League 2 for Everton and 23s, but these lads are in the 20s, aren't they? And it kind of is asking the question now, a clubs, and, and it is just the way the academy system go, and just kind of stockpiling young mm. talent, and, and, and it's it must be a concern, especially for Marcel Brands, who has said that he wants to kind of change the structure of, of the academy in, in, in different ways to kind of, you know, there are so many players, young players coming through at the club. How do you fit them all in? How do you keep everyone progressing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was Leon Osman, but he's probably the exception to the rule, wasn't he? He was, he was almost 23, I think, wasn't he, when he got his first Leon start? was injured as well, and yeah. that was 20 years ago yeah. when the finances yeah. of the club were slightly yeah. different, weren't they? So a lot of that 98 yeah. U team did get Premier League careers, yeah. didn't he? But, um, yeah, it was strange, this, this policy they had with... Um, on the old regime with Steve Walsh, in that they they almost signed a clutch of players um, the summer before last, and the intention for the under twenty threes, which I thought was strange at the time, and like as as Gav said, maybe not. You have to make it eighteen, but certainly if they, if they're in their early twenties and and they're still playing reserve team football, I mean I don't know how we re- we resolve it, but under twenty threes, the Premier League two, it, it's not bridging the gap. Um, like a generation ago, you were playing reserve team football. It'd be anyone who wasn't in that first eleven would be playing playing in the reserves, and that, that seemed to work better. But they, the managers don't seem to want to risk the players like that. They've got a big squad, although they've eighteen in the matchday squad now, so they don't tend to play them in the, the under twenty three. So I don't know what the solution is. Um, so we'll have to think about it. But it's not bridging the gap, and yeah, it, it is difficult. It does seem strange that you've got these these players who probably aren't ever going to. Make it at Everton, and perhaps Everton are only just thinking, well, we'll set, we'll, we'll sell them on for maybe at a profit in a, in a couple of years' time. Do you think the biggest thing, the case of Beezer's point there, is what happens in the Czech Trade Trophy? Like over the last yeah. two seasons, you see an under 23 sides going into that, playing against League One, League Two teams. You know, they're playing properly competitive football every, every week, and you know, you, you just you hardly see an under 23s get, getting through those group stages, let alone getting into the final stage, like final rounds of that tournament. So, yeah, I, I do agree. Sort of needs to change there. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. I mean, when we, we did an academy one, didn't we? Mm. Did during the summer. Yeah. And one one of the things I brought up was the fact that over the last twenty twenty five years, everything that's come into the game has been to the detriment of the young young players in this country, hasn't it? From like you know the Bosman rule and what was that ninety four was it? You know, extended match day squads to eighteen, so we need a lot of senior players around around the place. More money in the game, you know, more. Tapping of overseas markets, managers on short-term contracts who don't want to hang around developing young players. Everything in the game that's happened and all the developments have just been to the detriment of young bringing young players through. And that, and unless that, unless 
unless that's sort of resolved across all them levels, then you, you're just going to permanently have this 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 thing about you're not going to get that many players coming through to the Premier League from academies. And I, I don't you can change academy football all you like, you know, but unfortunately, unless you address all those issues, then it's not going to change much to me. Mm. One young player that we are definitely excited about, though, is, is Adam Ola-Luckman, and another player who's going to give Marco Silva what he called a good headache ahead of uh, the game with Cardiff. Adam, you spoke to Marco about Adam Ola, mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm right in saying that. Mm-hmm. Just give us a little idea of you know the, the manager's thoughts on, on Adam Ola at this time. Yeah, well, I asked him if he was fit for a start because in the main press conference, they didn't seem to ask him for, <laughs> for some reason. But yeah, Adam Ola-Luckman's fit and ready to play. He said he did some individual work on Wednesday and then he's been working with the uh, the main group on Thursday and Friday. So did, he's did fit he come and ready. From, from England with a knock or did he just come home? No, he came, he came back early with a knock. With yeah. a knock, yeah. Yeah, so, but no, he's fine, fine and ready to play. And I, well, I asked him whether uh, Adam Oller had impressed him enough to give him a start over the last few weeks. And he said, well, yeah, he's he's absolutely got full confidence in him and he's ready to step up into the side whenever he needs him to. He said... His attitude, his commitment to the team have been exceptional and it's exactly what he wanted to see from him at the start of the season and it's why he was so keen to keep him as part of our squad rather than let him go to RB Leipzig. So I'm I'm, I'm excited about Luchman personally and personally I'd, I'd start him against Cardiff but obviously I'd be down to the manager. We'll see, see who, what he thinks. Who does Luchman come in for? Walcott. In, for Walcott? Yeah. Bees, is it, is it time for Adam Ola tomorrow or today if you're listening to I him said- on Saturday? I certainly think it's the closest he's been um, for a long time now. Um, it was unfortunately he picked up that injury with the under-21s, so he's perhaps not firing on all cylinders, even if he is um, back in, fu- in full train. But yeah, uh, I think you could make a case for, for either of them. I don't think either of the, the wingers have been particularly on it the last um, couple of weeks. Um, so he could sl- slot in on, a- on either wing, and it could be a good game for him to play with. I know Cardiff um, quite resolute and um, speaking to Kevin Ratcliffe yesterday he said unfortunately you might be surprised at how little the ball is in play they will deliberately try and slow it down bring the big men up for the throw-ins take the time over it so you know if it is if it is a you know a, a tough game like that maybe Luckman might provide that little spark and, and maybe it would give um, the kick up the backside through whichever one of the w- wingers does get dropped if they were dropped um, ahead of a, a rather significant fixture the following weekend. What are your thoughts on Luckman Gov? I want to make it a full house or whatever that word was. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> Yatsi. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think next, I think next week's podcast should just be us all playing. All Yatsi. playing again. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it, it's not really could, could be post. It's not really audio, is it? Like it's yes. more. It's more visual. It's not audio, but we could then Facebook just Live. Facebook Live. Facebook Live. All while we're playing, playing Yatsi. Yatsi. Gav could just yeah. talk about how, how many people he wants to be in the new Everton Stadium. <laughs> Which is obviously Gav's favourite subject at the moment. Not my favourite subject. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's everybody's favourite subject, I think, isn't it? Uh, see, I'm going to make it a full house, I think. You could imagine some of the conversations that have gone on with Luckman Avenue since the summer. Listen, you know, obviously there was a bit of... Obviously, he was unsettled or reports being unsettled. It'll knuckle down, settle down, get your attitudes right and, you know, get you there or there about the first team. That's obviously to be in the case, given what Marco's just told you there, Adam. So therefore, his, he's got to give Silver's got to give him something back, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. And I think with him being the young lads, I play him tomorrow. It's the ideal game, as as, as Chris says, uh, and also as well, we've not got a front three collectively that's far on all cylinders. You could probably replace either Bernard or Walcott. I'm not really bothered mm-hmm. which which one. Um, 
and uh, I think he, for me, he's got to play tomorrow for, for those reasons. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think if you're looking at if you're looking at the game as well, and I know Marco Silva, like if he was ever asked this question, he'd go, "Oh, I'm taking it game by game." But he's definitely looking ahead towards that derby. You've got to be, and playing Luchman in a game like that against Cardiff, you know, if he plays well, then what? Who's to say that he couldn't start against Liverpool or Anfield? Like, yeah. I, th- I think it's a massive opportunity for him if he does get into the team, and fingers crossed he will. I mean, at the end of the day, he pays what well. I know, like it fees are, but can be paid over in storms, whatever. Twelve million, was yeah. It? Pay some twelve million for somebody at some point. You're probably going to have to play him, aren't you? You know, yeah. and I think uh, you know you don't want as as Bees was saying, wasting away in under twenty three football and stuff. And I think tomorrow is is perfect alignment for him to play. Mm. Is is the Cardiff game then? I'm just picking up a little bit on your your point you've made there. Is it almost a a chance for you know the likes of Bernard, Walcott, Luckman, whoever of them start? You know, whoever started centre back, it's a chance really to grab your share for that derby isn't it I think I think that's that's exactly what it is and I think in in terms of like our front three I think it's interesting what Bees was saying there about the way Cardiff play and it, the ball's not really in play that much that'll force us to try to use the ball as much as possible like we can't be like I feel I feel like over the last couple of weeks when we've been bringing it forward it's been a few wrong decisions a few slack passes and that's what's been letting us down like that let us down a couple of times against Chelsea we just didn't use the ball well enough in the final third. If we're, like Cardiff are going to have to force us to do that now because, you know, as B says, they're not they're not going to tr- keep it in play as as much as we might probably like to see it. So, you know, it's a big chance for someone like Luchman coming in to, you know, re- really just get, go into this game with the amount of confidence that he went into the, that Chelsea game. You know, that moment where he's beaten th- three Chelsea defenders like all in one slick move. Like that's the kind of Adam Ola Luchman that we all want to see. That's what we can't want to see from all of our wingers, really. And I don't think we've really, apart from Bernard against Leicester, I don't think we've really seen that from any of them this no. season. So, yeah, I think I think it's a, bit, a massive chance for him, absolutely. And and Dave Prentice pointed out this morning, Bees, that Neil Warnock's uh, record against Everton apparently is played four, won three, drew one. How how do you think that the game's kind of going to play out? Do you think Everton have really got to take the game early by the scruff of the neck and, and, and really try and make a stamp, make the mark on the game early doors. Well, I'll just, I'll just correct you there. It was me who told Dave that yesterday. <laughs> to, uh, oh. yeah. Preno, Pre- Preno, Preno is just <laughs> claiming it for his own, his own uh, Yeah, he had no idea. I, um, <laughs> I was telling him all about that. Yeah, it is. It's a bit good. On the one hand, Everton have got a very good record against um, Cardiff City at Good- Goodison Park. Um, Cardiff hasn't won, won at Goodison since... Uh, Solitary FA Cup winning season 1926-27, which is j- j- just beyond uh, Dave's um, memory. Only <laughs> <laughs> um, just a couple of seasons. Neil, <laughs> Neil Warnock himself won the last three against Everton with uh, Palace. Yeah, with um, with um, with Palace and with um, with Leeds as as well. And um, was that the the Francisco Junior game at Ellen's Road? Yeah, when uh, David Moyes shuffled the pack a bit a bit too. Um, Extensively there, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, he, he, he's actually unbeaten his last four against Everton. Won the last three. So, and it could, of course, be his, his last trip to Goodison Park. He said um, earlier this month that um, you know he, he's realised you know he's, he's seventy, I think, um, next month, and they, this could be his, his last year in the pr- 
Premier League potentially. He, he loves spoiling the party. I want to go out with with a banger. Like I said, yeah. Um, the QPR, Leeds, and um, obviously um, that, that last time with, with Palace. Now he'd, he'd love he'd love to spoil the party. So yeah, um, it's important that Everton try and get at them from from the start because if they get they get a sniff of they, they they've got something they'll they'll they'll, they'll dig in. And and Gav, for you, do you think it's the kind of game you know? The games there, that some of the games there that Bees has mentioned. I remember that Palace one particularly. Was that when we were heading towards fourth? Was it under Martinez? Was it that oh, was that that the following season? Yeah, oh, the there were two three after. twos. At, yeah, in the yeah, same year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. it was when uh, Lukaku scored his first goal since uh, his first home goal since his permanent move, and I think Balassi got the the third. For I was going to say Balassi definitely. Balassi loved playing against Everton. I remember whenever playing against both Merseyside clubs, didn't he? Yeah, did to be fair. He used to absolutely rinse Lovren. When when we signed Balassi though, because every time he played against Seven Liverpool he was unreal. I genuinely thought we'd sign like the best winger in the world. Seamus <laughs> Seamus said he was the best best winger he faced, didn't he? Yeah, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that probably influenced the decision. Uh, but I say at Anfield and Goodison, it was a threat for a few years, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of tomorrow, I'm, I'm trying to think actually. When you remember, like I remember his first games manager because I think. Somebody might correct me. I think he might go down as the last person as a player or manager to have faced Evan in the old first division and the Premier League because he actually, his first time he managed us was against Notts County right. in the first division 27 years ago. And I'm just trying to think if there's anybody still managing around who was managing 27 years ago in around the top flight. It's probably now now Fergie and Wenger have gone. I can't, can't think of one. And of course, Hodgson would have been abroad. So he's yeah, the only one, yeah, certainly age yeah. wise, as a contemporary. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's got a bit of history with us. Only faced us seven times, though, as a manager, strangely enough, in 27 years. Because he's a championship yeah, manager, yeah. though, isn't he? <laughs> but he's had a good record, hasn't he, to be fair? Mm. You of know, down, down, you know yeah. down, down the divisions. Must win a game for us tomorrow, bit and our, you know, our fixtures coming up. Uh, and I can I can see it hopefully pan out like the Brighton game. I don't think they'll give you much. They crowded the midfield, didn't they, in Anfield, and gave Liverpool lots of possession. And mm. I, I think they're going to do the same tomorrow. The, the problem is though that like as as much as you want to be respectful to Cardiff, like these these are the games that yeah. like you, you're expecting Everton to yeah. go in and take a, take all three points away with hardly breaking a sweat. To be honest, I've like part of me wants us to just go in there get a get a three three nil win, hardly get out of second gear, just just go home and prepare for the derby. But part of me, I think it would be nice to see this team absolutely hammer someone. Like that, but that'd be. It's been a while be, since a good old fashioned. Oh, that's it. Like, Hamilton, we, we haven't, we haven't really when, when, was last, when was last big win at Goodison? Four nil against West Ham. Oh, oh, that, yeah. that was yeah. probably it. Was, was that under, under Walter Smith, you did weeks and weeks of um, goalless draws, and then you you get a mad Middlesbrough five nil or a West Ham six nil thrown yeah. in there. I think it's just because I don't know that teams teams are better prepared now. They, they, they you tend to get less spankings in the Premier League now than mm. you maybe did uh, unless you're one of the. The big clubs are mid table, but yeah. then clubs outside that you very rarely say a right hammer and giving out, yeah. do you, mm. you know? But it's all, it's all about like linking it up together, you know, just be being that little bit more fluid up front, you know, it, like the sign the signs have been there throughout the season. It's just maybe that little final ball sometimes, that final run. Like and I think I think if that all if that does all knit together then there's there's not really much the Cardiff will be able to do to stop Everton. And, and it was quite interesting, wasn't it, today, Adam, what Marco was saying in the press conferences, you know, about that kind of, like, there does seem to have been a little bit of a 
change in the in the atmosphere at Goodson, especially in the last few weeks, hasn't it? I think, you know, under Allardyce, obviously, it was really tense. And I think the early draw with Huddersfield and the defeat against West Ham, still, mm. you know, people were still, the jury was kind of out. But what what, what kind of sense of the atmosphere have, have you got from the last few times we've been at Goodison and, and winning at Goodison as well? I think I, I completely agree with the manager. You know, like, don't want to hark on too much about last season, but last season, like... Did last season happen? Was it real? I'd I'd love to be able to forget (laughs) it, but it's burned into my memory, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like the atmosphere at some point last season was just toxic. And, you know, it was was of no fault of the fans, really. You know, they were getting served up some absolute dross on the pitch, to be honest. And uh, any fans are going to respond in that in that sort of way but like the the main thing that's changed is they're not getting served dross on the pitch anymore you know the players have got a coherent system that they're able to follow you know the, everybody in the stands knows what Marco Silva is telling his players and what Everton are trying to do in every single game you know and they're putting the 100% effort in at all at all times and, you know it's like I said before we've now got 15 informed players that it's, it's no accident that's because Marco Silva's come in and he's instantly told these players what to do which for some reason seemed to escape the likes of Koeman and Allardyce last season they like, just couldn't get their heads around that yeah. but I, and I think that has then now seeped into the fan base I think the Crystal Palace game was the big turn on point for me like you know it, it could have easily turned wrong like it, the atmosphere could have gone bad you know conceding that penalty I think after the penalty save though like Goodison was absolutely rocking it's the best I've heard it in a long, long time. And, you know, that rubs off on the players then. You know, the players all appreciate that. They'll start playing better and then the fans appreciate that. And it's, you know, it's just a, a nice little cycle and it's nice, it's nice to finally be on the up in this cycle rather than, like, we were in, we, we just got stuck in a downward spiral last season and thank, thankfully Silver and Brands have come in and broke the mould a little bit and got, set us back on the right direction, definitely. Yeah, one of the recent view from the Gladys Street side did and he, he said... Um, just speaking to the fellow who, who sits next to him in the park end and he said it's just made me glad to go to the match again I'm looking forward to go to the match again at the end of the season they might not finish that many places higher than they did the year before but people are enjoying the match day experience because last season there'd be much worse Everton teams who finished much lower down in the table than last season but some of those matches last season just unwatchable oh, yeah. shocking wasn't it yeah I, I, I think the point there that Bees has made Gav which I agree with is that Joy, joy in a way has been brought back to Goodison. There were so many times last season when joy to the world. I remember walking the game sometimes, like that Manchester City game at home. It was like, you know, we were three 0 down for twenty minutes, half an hour, and it was just like, I've never wanted to leave a game after half an hour so much in my whole life. And you know, are you enjoying the match going experience again this season? Here's where Gav says no. <laughs> Too many fans in that stadium. <laughs> I can't enjoy myself. <laughs> Paying too low of, low of cost as well. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. No, I've got to say, yeah, and, and the reason why I say, yeah, is there's a couple of things going on here, isn't there? A, it's obviously you know, early days, but obviously Brands knows, appears to know what he's doing. The combination of silver and Brands appear to, as a combination, appear to be a nice fit and they know what they're doing. It's noticeable that everybody said this. The players he brought in have been our better players. You're saying like 15 informed players. Well, a third of them would be players we brought in, won't yeah. they, for the stars? So I think that all that adds to the general morale of the supporters. Um, and 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 there's a last few home games, especially signs of real quality from from Gomez. 
Bernard, the Charleston played up front, and we scored two tremendous goals mm. against uh, against Brighton. Mm. The, I mean, the first goal in particular. I mean, Richarlison's. I, I think he not, doesn't get enough credit for the second the goal he scored. The, the second goal he scored. Second one. I thought the first one. But like first, he's, he's not. Got, he's not got enough credit for the finish. Yeah, yeah. The finish was incredible. And Sigurdsson, any great Everton team could, you know, would have struggled to score a goal like that first one. Mm. Again, yeah. you know, it was it was that good. Uh, from start to finish, and and as 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 I'd said, I think we may turn out and say that the Palace game and Pickford's penalty save, um, bit like two thousand nine ten when Tim out saved the penalty in the last minute. Remember against Spurs, Spurs yeah, uh, and we struggling. Only lost two out of twenty four league games after so that. that, that come game. back from two 0 down to draw yeah, that two yeah. two, yeah, yeah, and then they got the pen, and yeah, yeah. Is that so when Coleman scored, yeah. Yeah, no, it was his debut. No, yeah, it was his yeah. debut. He came and he on changed and changed the game. The game. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, After After Howard's penalty save, we'd had to really struggle. We lost two out of the last 24 hours of that in the Premier League after that game. And I Pickford's penalty save might might be looked back on, especially as we then scored two late goals, mm. two good goals, as, as maybe a turning point. And I think every that, that sort of changed the atmosphere. And I think that's a, you know, yeah, I, I, and that's a key question, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was just jotting down there. Pickford's penalty save could be the turning point for the season because I think that's a that's a nice headline for this. That's a nice headline. Well, they do. I mean, every, every every season that's successful invariably has a turning point, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, oh, wait, nine, nine, Phil Neville's tackle on Ronaldo. Yeah. I, th- I think we just needed you that know. turning point as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's so By the way, that Phil Neville tackle on Ronaldo, I will never tire of watching that on YouTube. <laughs> Whenever I'm low, I just <laughs> put that on. It's, it's, it's the way United players all fume after it as well. And what else I loved about it though was that the fact the whistle, he knew the whistle had gone. <laughs> everyone knew the whistle had gone, but he was just at that insatiable urge to take well, him out. It, it was good about that, that Heisinger in his interview this week was talking up with Skipper. And and he was a, he was a great skipper for Everton Football Club, undoubtedly. Um, player, maybe not so, but um, I'd, I'd suggest that skipper we've never really never really replaced him. And I think uh, that leadership and that have been interesting on morning about what happens. By the way, does anyone, whenever they hear the name John Heisinger, does anyone else just think of that moment with Ashley Cole in yeah. the penalty shootout? That's all that comes to my head. Like yeah, he could have done, he could have done nothing else in his Everton did, career. Did, did Heisinger yeah. get misquoted in this interview that he did, or was he just off his head when he said that he'd turn <laughs> up a half two? A half two, you're back in the changing rooms getting changed. Like it was, yeah, it was yeah, such, that, a, it was um, an odd quote, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that is something Dave did do a, pay, a piece on. Uh, he, he didn't take it from me. Um, he <laughs> himself. No, but he, he's not, he said he's not having it. Um, that. Um, that this idea that David Moy said to turn up at two thirty for a, a three o'clock. Um, game like you say the players are already out there warming I was going to say up, they're so, warming up there um, yeah. I'm not too sure about about that one but it was some interesting other things that, that he said um, he said that that the feeling in the Goodison um, tunnel was some pure intimidation I think he said for, yeah. the, for the opposition and some grim times for the op- opponents then. and he said that Everton was actually the the high point of his, of his professional career given considering he won things at Ajax and um, also played for Atletico Madrid so uh, he did say some nice things about Everton yeah, yeah. My, you know what my main memory is Aruna Coney absolutely ripping her apart at Wigan in uh, <laughs> September 2012 oh all day long you know and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, was, like, was that he was the, either a 10 or a 6 was that the game no he was never just alright was that at Wigan yeah, was that, yeah no it wasn't the game I'm thinking of I'm, th- I'm thinking of one of the worst away experiences that I ever had. I f- froze every one of my digits off to watch Tim Howard throw one into the back of the net, and I'm sure it was Kone. 
who ended up getting given the goal, but I have no idea how. Like, Is this at Wigan? And we had to bring on Victor Anachibi to save the day. Jelovic made his debut, I, I, yeah. I believe in oh, that. Yeah, game. One, the one all game. Yeah, yeah one, we scored a, from it. And yeah, scored, scored, yeah. scored yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. genuinely one of the worst away days I've ever experienced. Mix up between Phil Neville and Howard, wasn't it, I think? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. February 2012, that was. Just watching that from the opposite end of the pitch, I just wanted yeah, to cry. I, think, I mean, I think Moyes wanted them to go, didn't he? Let them go, and then, you know, if you've been... Like humanity says no more, he'd invariably pay a grudge at some point. But yeah, he was good to go play. He was our player there, wasn't he? Was he so 2011 yeah, 12? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, he was decent. He scored the boss goal against Birmingham, I think. That was Bolton, yeah. the volley. Bolton. Uh, Bolton. Bolton. Also, I'm thinking of one at home against Birmingham. Yeah. In off, in off the bar. I think we drew 1 1. Yeah. Vaguely, that's I vaguely right. Remember that? That was the game. Walton forgot his cards, didn't he, for the second that's half? The one. <laughs> there, was some, there was some classic Evan players in that time. Do you remember the, the, the great season we had with Jermaine Beckford? He scored a few bangers, didn't he? Didn't he? Billy Electonoff. Struggle through that one. Billy Electonoff. There we go. Well, see, you've gone into nostalgia mood already. Yeah. You said the but one this is our nostalgia. This is why I brought Sam on. For me and Adam, this is our... The good old days. Good old days of 10 years ago. You know, B's growing up with his T.G. Joneses. Me and Adam had Billy Electonoff and Beckford. So... Obviously, we, we, we'll finish the show as, as we usually do with, with our predictions. Chris Beasley, Everton versus Cardiff, Goodson Park. I don't think it's going to be as convincing as, as, as Adam's perhaps um, made out. Um, I'm going to um, say 1-0 uh, Everton. 1-0 Everton, Adam? 75-0. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a 4-0. A 4-0? Yeah, I think a 4-0. So, so. Yeah. I think we're going to give a pace to somebody at some point. Um, so I'm going to say... 3-0 to Everton it. just to clarify <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give everyone a win and scorecast I'm going to say 2-0 Richarlison and I'll be, sheets I will now be doing that bet before I look an absolute fool tomorrow 5pm when, when that comes in so Adam tees on me tomorrow night if it's 2-0 Richarlison what are we getting we're, we're not dating by the way just to clarify that we're <laughs> just, we just happen to <laughs> we reside to, in the same yeah. in the same cube yeah. <laughs> same cube <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't want people to to obviously know that we live a life of luxury in our in our mansion. Okay. You know, yeah. We have to we have to live up to our poor boys. I want I want to, I want us to actually rename our building the cube. The cube. The yeah. cube. Yeah. What a show that was. Phil <laughs> Schofield. <laughs> that would be a person with the uh, oh. with the uh, fencing mask on. <laughs> yes. He used to do all the challenges before everyone else. Well, <laughs> Gavin and Chris are absolutely gobsmacked here. Of course, it's head off the Everton podcast. <laughs> not, uh, not, not like a Philip Schofield loving, you know. Well, hey, uh, can we do a special, a Philip Schofield a Yatti, special? A Yatti and Philip Schofield special is, yeah, is on is on the agenda for next week. Good. And we will leave it there because me and Adam have got a date to watch the chase. Let's hope for a big three points at Goodison Park tomorrow. You can follow our Facebook page at the Royal Blue Podcast and give your thoughts on the show. And as ever, we'll be recording a post-match podcast after the game tomorrow. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.